Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, some other guys. The Nuggets had a draft night that asks a lot of questions, answers a few, and we'll figure it all out on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. We appreciate you joining us on every platform that you can, including YouTube, where folks are back in the chat to talk about the NBA draft from the Denver Nuggets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm a senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by my colleague and friend Adam Mares at Adam underscore Mares. We're going to break down the whole draft today. So first segment, we'll talk about Christian Brown, and we'll talk about Peyton Watson, and we'll talk about Kamagate, and we'll talk about Gillespie. And then in the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit about asset management and how the Nuggets did. Somebody says you're clipping out bad. You're not clipping out to me, so I don't know what to make mm-hmm. of that. That's interesting. Maybe that's a problem through YouTube. Um, we'll talk about how the Nuggets managed their situation going into the draft and how they came out of it. Going into, I don't know what to make of it. This all, everything's working really well on my end, so I can't, I can't make sense of why this would be. Sh- my audio is fine. Matt's is maybe not so much. Hmm, interesting. That's very <laughs> weird. That I'm just, I'm being muted. I'm being, my takes are not being let into the world. Um, we're gonna keep going since it's working on Adam's end. So, uh, audio should work either way. The audio will work later, so we'll see. The what Denver Nuggets on Thursday night with the twenty-first pick selected, Christian Brown. Out of Kansas, Rock Chalk. Um, as a Missouri person, I'm not happy about this decision uh, at all because I don't think any Hawks should get drafted. But instead, actually, you know, it's funny. Uh, Adam, we did our ultimate NBA mock draft, right? And before the Mavericks traded their pick to get Christian Wood, locked on Mavericks and us conducted a trade, and we traded 21 and Will Barton for 26. And Tim Hardaway right. Jr. Tim Hardaway. Um, and we included Jeff Green, and uh, we got a second rounder back. And with that 26 pick, I slid Christian Brown. So th- this was the pick that, that I had actually <laughs> like, kind of targeted because when I looked at all the options that were on the board at that point in that exercise, Brown was the one that came out to me as the best value. Uh, six, five and a half, 209, 21 years old, out of the University of Kansas. Uh, Kevin O'Connor, whose draft guide is the one that I prefer of all the options, uh, describes him spirited two-way wing with the athleticism to dunk in traffic and sky in for blocks. Yeah, real athlete. Like, uh, look, if you're looking for, you know, you want defenders on the wing that aren't defensive or offensive liabilities who have a lot of athleticism, Christian Brown checks all those boxes. And that was the move that they made at 21. There's no question about it. So it's funny you know, he wasn't one of the guys that made it into my initial pile of like, okay, you go through the 15 or 20 guys that are in the range and you separate the sheep and the goats. He was a guy that originally I kind of looked at and put to the other pile as it became more clear that he was going to be the guy you're like, okay, I should spend more than a half hour on this guy. Let me do a little bit more of a deep dive. And, and what's funny about Christian Brown is when you start to just look at the boxes, does he check the boxes that Denver needs? Well, first of all, he's a defensive first shooting guard. Okay, perfect. Like that's actually the exact position and role you're looking for, a defensive two to go in between Michael Porter and Jamal Murray. So he's that. 
He has that toughness. Like we know Denver needs some guys that are willing to stir the pot, get under your skin, make life hell for other people, both from a personality standpoint and an effectiveness standpoint. He definitely does that. You needed length. He's six foot seven. And I think the thing that throws threw me off in part in the ramp up to the draft was negative wingspan, six, six wingspan, six, seven build negative wingspan. And you think that's bad. If you just say six, six wingspan, that's good length, six, seven, six, six wingspan. That's good length. If you say negative wingspan, it almost sounds smaller than it is. So as much as that is a part of the story from him, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it. He checks off the length box as well. And then it's, he can't be a zero on offense. A lot of these guys, even a Marjan Beauchamp, some of these guys you look at, they project to be good offensively. They're not good offensively. They project to be good offensively. Christian Brown is good offensively. He can do a bunch of different things, including shoot, pass, uh, out in transition, uh, and swing. I think keep the ball popping is an important thing. Like a connector guy who doesn't need to like hold and read the court. He can just, okay, I see what's going on. So to me, he actually does check just about every single box. And you know, the more you kind of digest on the pick, the more you think this is a guy that I think can play next year. You know, he's got to perform, but can break into the rotation and fill a much uh, an important need for the Nuggets. Uh, we're still having audio issues, uh, according to the chat. So I'm going to bounce out and come back in. But I'd like you to answer this question while I do so, Adam Morris. Can you answer this question of, yeah. do you think that Christian Brown is ready to play in the NBA right now as of next season? Yeah. All right, so Matt's asking the question. He's going to hop off, try to reset his internet, see if it see if it works or, or fixes the problem. His his question was, do I think that Christian Brown is ready for the NBA? Is he ready to play right now? My answer is, I think he probably is. Again, a guy has to earn it. You have to get a guy, you know, if you look at the roster, and we're going to talk about this in segment three, by the way. Segment one, we're going to do Christian Brown. Segment two, the other guys. Segment three is going to be about asset management. Not just are these guys players, but do they, you know, did they get them in the most effective way, most efficient way? And do they have assets to manipulate the roster going forward? We have all been under the assumption that Will Barton is likely gone from the roster next season. And that maybe Monte Morris is gone from the roster coming into the draft. Maybe both of those guys. So you're talking about two backcourt spots that are open. If neither of those guys are gone, I don't expect Brown to break in front of Bones, Monte, or Will Barton. I don't expect that next year. So now it becomes... Is one of those guys going to be, um, you know, traded away? And in the case of a player like Barton, if they're traded away, I don't think Christian Brown is your number one defender. So that means, okay, he's coming off the bench. Does Bones or Monte start? That doesn't make sense. So that's the part where when you ask that, I think the answer is yes, he's capable of doing it. But are the Nuggets in position right now for him to even have a chance? I would say no. And that's what makes next weekend interesting. Are you there? Did I lose you? Are you there, Matt? I did lose him. He is. He is lost. I'll, I'll pop back out of here. Um, so yeah. So that's a that's kind of where I go with him. But I will say, th this is going to be an interesting summer for him specifically because I do think he's a really good player, and I think that the Nuggets could use him. If you start to look at what are your top four backcourt players going to look like, to me, Jamal Murray, lock, starting point guard, most important player. Bones Highland to me becomes the second most important player now, even ahead of Monte Morris. Even if they don't trade Monte Morris, Bones Highland is the second most important player. He's got to be a scorer. He's got to uh, be a guy that can run your second unit and maybe fill in for your first unit, uh, you know, in certain configurations. So he's the second most. Right now, Brown are, is probably, you know, you look at Monte. If you have Monte, 
I just think that makes a weird three-man rotation between those guys. None of them are a defender, and all of a sudden, Brown's the most important one. Ideally, Denver would make some kind of move. We've talked a lot about Will Barton for KCB, or you know, you used to think Josh Hart or some of these other guys. I we're, we'll talk about this at the end. I don't know if Denver now has the assets to make one of those types of moves. So I think you're more looking at just a straight defender. Maybe it's a KCP. Maybe it's somebody else that's your number one backcourt defender. Brown could sw- slide into being the second guy behind him. So you've got offense in Jamal Murray and uh, Bones Highland, and you got defense in player X, who should be a starting caliber player, and then Christian Brown as your number, you know, your backup guy. And maybe he grows into this role. Maybe he's better than we think, has a great summer, really develops, and by next year, he's, hey, maybe he is like Austin Rivers, where we didn't expect him to be a guy that started playoff games, or we didn't expect him to be a guy playing 25, 30 minutes in a playoff game. But he rose to that level of importance. Maybe I don't see it. I think he's more the fourth guard uh, next year. Maybe even the fifth guard that breaks his way into in, into that spot. But if you look at it right now, Denver has Aaron Gordon, who I feel very comfortable guarding fours and threes. You've got uh, Christian Brown, who I feel semi comfortable guarding ones, twos, and maybe like undersized threes. You've got Davon Reed, who I think the Nuggets are going to bring back it, more likely now uh, after how the draft went. He's a guy that maybe can guard threes and a little bit of twos. So you've got a couple guys that are somewhat, okay, what do we need? We'll plug those guys in. I just don't know if Brown, I I don't think it's healthy for Denver to go into next season hoping that Brown uh, becomes a guy who can be the number one of that. That's the one thing I don't like. But the thing that's important to remember about him is offensively, he brings a lot to the table. And this is where it's different from a lot of the other guys. Are you back with us, Matt? I think I'm back. How about now? You sound, I mean, you Let's sounded good if... to me before, so I don't know. Your picture is a little more clear. <laughs> Hopefully uh, the commenters are, are okay. Why don't we take a break, and we'll yep. come back, and we'll talk about Peyton Watson and the other choices that the Nuggets made on draft night. We'll do that when we come back on Locked on Nuggets. But first, I want to tell you about Arcade 1-Up and the new Shaq Edition NBA Jam. Boom, shakalaka. we got big news. The one, the only NBA Jam is back. Arcade 1-Up, the leader in at-home retro arcade gaming is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they're making it bigger than ever with a wait-for-it Shaq edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that once again, you can play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA-licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters allowed. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from RK1Up.com. That's RK, the number one, up.com for an estimated early September ship rate. And we've got a special edition just for Locked On listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at Arcade1Up.com slash Locked On. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com slash Locked On. You've got until July 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack Edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, if you're listening to this, you're like, what is happening? We were having uh, restream issues on our live broadcast uh, of the show on YouTube, which you can find, and usually has no problems. I also appreciate all the people in the comments. They're like, you look great, Matt. I'm like, thank you. I do look great. That's uh, what they mean, yeah. want to let you know that you can subscribe to the show on YouTube. And also, I want to let you know that... If you are a local business or know a local business and are looking to advertise, we're looking for advertisers. Hit us up. Lots of spots for you. Key demographic. Who doesn't want to have these fine people in the chat listen to your advertiser? Listen to how excited they get about Bilt Bar. You, you too can have that. All right. 
the next pick that ever now gets selected. Peyton Watson at UCLA. And this one was like a, huh? Like everyone is very confused by the Peyton Watson pick. Uh, give me your thoughts, Adam, on the selection of Peyton Watson at UCLA. So again, in segment three, we're going to talk about, was it a good use of resources? So right now we're just going to talk about the prospect and like, do you like the prospect in a vacuum, so to speak? Um, he's intriguing. He was not on my board as a guy that I thought the Nuggets would take. When you step back, six foot eight, super long wingspan, elite defender. Probably, as I as it has been described to me by lots of different people, both draft coverage people and people in the front office, a guy that m- might be the single best defender in the entire draft. The problem is he's a project player, and he averaged three points per game, as, as was widely reported last night, the fewest points per game of any college player taking in the first round in NBA history. So his offense is near non-existent. It was absolutely disastrous uh, what kind of offensive player he was last year. Five-star recruit coming out of high school the year before, goes to UCLA, a team with a lot of good players, allegedly 10 returning uh, rotation pieces for UCLA, so he just couldn't break into the rotation. I'm told he's an extremely high character guy with a great work ethic and a, a very like competitive, like he's a competitive guy. He wants the, the best for himself. And, you know, those are obviously foundational things when you have a guy as raw as him. They have to want it. They have to want to be to be great and to build and to become the best version of themselves. The Nuggets clearly looked at this draft and thought, we want defense. They took one guy that's probably ready now who has a high upside as a defender in Christian Brown, but especially as like, a high floor, more importantly, a high floor. And then they took another guy in Peyton Watson who super low floor, maybe the lowest of anybody in the first round, maybe of anybody in the top like 40 picks, but he has a high ceiling and uh, an Herb Jones type ceiling where the guy really pops defensively, but he just has so many question marks offensively. Can he answer those? Probably not for a while, but um, it's a high upside defensive play. Yeah, it was a curious pick. For a team that's very geared win now, I mean, it kind of shows you the difference between, you could say like, I think this is one of the differentials is when a team says like, we're in win now mode, everyone expects all of their decisions to be aligned with win now. And it very rarely is like that because they don't view it that way where it's, you know, quite honestly, I think that one of the questions that you can reasonably ask is like, okay, what player at that point in the draft is going to play on this team next year? You know, like, well, that's the, that's the whole point. I, it's not like there wasn't anybody else on the board at that point that I thought, oh, they, they got to take this guy. I like Nemhard, but when you take Christian Brown, you already have one new backcourt rookie. You're not going to take two rookies in your backcourt. That's just not something you're going to do. So the question, I don't think it was a matter of, did, was there another player that was maybe helped now more? It was, was that asset, the 30th pick better used? If you want to win now, was it better used as a trade piece? And that's the thing that I think was so surprising. But we'll get to let's save it because I want to get to that in the third round. I want to analyze yeah, these picks because yeah, yeah. it's telling an important uh, story. The Grand Rapids Gold are going to be a hell of a lot of fun next year. I'll say that. Like I feel like the Gold are going to have like a lot of athleticism and 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 be a lot of fun to watch. Um, the next pick that they picked up, this one was even I think maybe weirder. Was uh, they traded into the second round and they take Ishmael Kamagate. This guy I like. I didn't think they were going to buy a pick, but you you're you're high on this. Okay, tell me about him. Because here's all I heard. Here's all I heard going into the draft about Kamagate was draft and stash. There was like four right, different. Right. I will tell you, like this Kamagate was a guy that a lot of people were high on. Like four different teams I heard were interested in Kamagate, but they were all interested in him as a draft and stash. That's what he is. So I was like, I I just kind of been like, okay, so he's like a draft and stash guy. 
whatever. Um, but it does kind of say something that so many teams were interested in specifically drafting him around the spot to go ahead and even if he's going to be overseas for a while longer. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> he's definitely a draft and stash. Harrison Wynn reported that yesterday, almost right as the pack, uh, as the pick dropped, that he would be a guy that would be spending a year there. He was the defensive player of the year in, in the French league. So he's, he's a guy that I, he's been described to me as uh, like a DeAndre Jordan or Clint Capella, this elite rim protector who can block everything, has a crazy wingspan and just like re- real athletic reads blocks really well but also has the ability to switch out on the perimeter. Like he's super light on his feet for that, for that guy. Now you don't take a guy like you, I tell you those things and you go, Oh my God, how is he not a lottery pick? If you, if he's Rudy Gobert inside a bam out of bio on the outside, how's this not a lottery <laughs> pick? He's super raw, came to basketball super late and was one of those guys like Peyton Watson. In my opinion, what Denver did is they actually drafted two of the same guys, a perimeter one and a big, like a three and a big that are look odds are neither of these guys are going to pan out. But they have the foundational uh, defensive traits to be elite defensive players. These are lottery ticket defensive players that they need some seasoning and they need things to break right. Again, odds always against guys of that happening than for them. But they took two lottery tickets here to be guys that are elite staples of the Nuggets defensive uh, rotation for years to come. One of them of which will be a stash and not take up a roster spot. So again, I know we'll talk about this in segment three, but I like the idea of, hey, we need defense. This was a pick where they used three players, three picks, all on defensive, almost not defensive only, but super defensive focused guys, two of which are upside plays, one of which is ready now. Look, it could pay off as long as they don't lose sight of the main goal, which was win now, be bold, make decisions. They did not do that in the draft. And now you have an opportunity to do that in free agency. If they do that, then I'll say, hey, what? This draft might be an A grade. If they don't do that, this draft might be a D grade because then the draft may be played into your free agency aspect of this equation. And finally, on a two-way deal, they pick up Colin Gillespie out of Villanova. Um, he'll probably, they're going to have a lot of, like, it'll be fun watching him on, again, on the, on the gold next year. That'll probably be, I think, a lot of, uh, of fun. Uh, Gillespie's a fifth-year senior, 6'3", uh, out of Villanova. I'll just say, like, I love Villanova guys. Of course. Love Villanova guys. I'm always high on Villanova They'll know how guys. to play basketball. They'll know how to play basketball. They'll know how to shoot. Uh, 39% as a freshman, 37% as a sophomore, 41.5% last season as a senior from three. Uh, verified shooter. I like that. I actually think this one's kind of sneaky. I actually think this one's like, this was, I thought was like a, a really quality kind of a, for a pickup for the spot that they got him in terms of the undrafted. Like I, I like this, I like this addition of, of Colin Gillespie a lot. So one of the things I wondered when they, when you take a guy like that, he's a point guard. I, he, what, number one, he's going to help the summer league team. And I know that sounds silly, but you just pick up Peyton Watson and you pick up Christian Brown, two guys that really aren't cre- going to be creators. Like, and you get into a summer league, they can be Zeke Naji esque if you don't have a, po- a point guard where they just look terrible. Like you need somebody there that's going to, to set the table. I know that wasn't the primary emphasis of taking this guy or, or making him a two-way but it does help that they're going to have a traditional point guard that knows how to make the be- get the best out of these guys so i'm excited for that but i look at this and i wonder like if you have this guy who is a solid five-year point guard is he a third point guard next year or is he just a total two-way send him to the g league you know we're not going to count on him any capacity to me if you have jamal murray as your number one point guard monte morris your number two bones highland is your number three okay he's full-on g league just don't worry about him. We'll see what happens. Revisit this in a year. If you do lose Monte and you move 
uh, Bones Highland to the point guard, now you're vulnerable to one ankle sprain or what have you. And maybe that means this is a guy that they're like fifth year senior. He's more pro ready now. If he needs to play 10 games as a point guard, we could probably, as a backup point guard, maybe we survive it. So that's the only thing I kind of look at with him is, is he sort of insurance in case they move Monte and count on Bones Highland to play straight point guard next year? I think a lot of these are, let's see if we have something here and then we can make a decision based off of if we have something here, right? Like that's, that's kind of like the long-term evolution. I think with a player like, like you take him, if it's not a hit, then you're like, okay, we didn't really spend any sort of capital on it. If he hits, then it's like, all right, Hey, we've really got something here. We should make more room for him. Um, I want to get to this from Modic, which who says, uh, reading some of these comments, I wonder why Braun Watson and Kamagate didn't go sooner if they're so great. Uh, look, Christian Brown can't finish in traffic. He's not great off the dribble. Uh, he is a very much, all these guys a, have flaws, especially the second two. I mean, that's why they didn't go. Like we're talking about their yeah. upside. We're not talking about, we're talking about their upside. Yeah. Cause that's what the draft is right. because everybody like that's how the, it's why honestly, like the draft for me is more about trying to figure out what teams are going to do in those types of moves versus I just, I always feel, I used to say that the draft is a, is a crap shoot and it's not there are people that are really good at being able to figure it like to, to understand prospects that do the, that put the time kind of time in to understand them at a really high level. But those analyses are often always very nuanced, complicated and layered, right? It's not like he's good slash he, or he's bad. Right. It's all these types of like different, you know, permutations on these things. For me, I, I often am just like, I, we'll see. You know, like, let's see what happens when they're in the NBA. You know, some guys you don't think are going to be great and they wind up awesome. And some guys you think are going to be tremendous and they can't get it done. I'll tell you that, like, Peyton Watson is an extremely risky pick based off of everything that I know and have heard. It's just because if he doesn't risky. hit, because like, the, I think the odds are better that Peyton Watson never plays rotation minutes than th- mm-hmm. that he does play. Like, it's below 50% chance that he plays. Kamagate, I would say same exact thing. Like it's below average that he's in a rotation piece for any amount of time. He might get minutes just as a like, hey, we're trying this guy out, Tyler Lighted minutes. But the odds are that he will never be a guy that you just pencil in as, okay, he has this role. So the, yeah, those guys are flyers. We're talking about why do you pick them? And by the way, that's for everyone. Like this isn't, you can go through the 27th pick, the 34th pick, anybody that was taken, that that's sort of the equation. Even 21, Matt, I did this over at DNVR. I looked at all the t- number 21 picks of the last decade. You might recognize three of them. Like that's how many over the last decade at 21 are guys that became household names for diehard NBA fans. Yeah. Um, um, real quick. One other thing though, Matt, that I think is important here. I do think we can look at, this is our first read on the Calvin booth. Like what does he value as a, as a, like a scout or at least for this team, all three of the guys they took were defensive guys. Even Gillespie, you know, has knows how to play defense understands, but equally as important, all of them have the reputation, with the exception of Kamagate, who's still learning the game. They all have the reputation of being very smart basketball minds. Not necessarily like just smart people, but like that they play know how to play within a system, that they think the game, they'll just play the game, and that they're like willing to do things. They're like character guys. So you talk about, obviously, Christian Brown. That's everything you hear about him. He doesn't care if he scores, whatever. He just does the right play. You hear this actually about Peyton Watson is that he's a very high character guy, cares about winning, and he's super smart. He's raw. He can't, his shot is ugly. His body control is a little weird, but he's a smart player. And then you definitely think this about Gillespie, who's like, that's what he's known for. So three of the guys, 
check the box of defense and high IQ slash play the right way, quote unquote. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll get into the big question. Because you just gave some weird faces. I have people. No, I'm serious. I have people in the chat saying Matt is chuckling on the inside because he because he knows this is a bad draft. Like, I want to hear, like, we're just at the scouting part of this. Do you think that part of it you're chuckling at? No, I'm not. I'm chuckling reading the comments. That's what I'm chuckling doing. All right, well, that's, but you have to clarify. I'm making you clarify that because I don't want people. No, I agree with you on the, at the scout. No, I agree with you on all those points on the scout. Like, I think you're, I think you're on target there. Okay. Yes. Come move on. I'm, I'm serious, man. I wasn't. It wasn't you. It wasn't you at all. It's like I'm, re- I'm reacting to Jeff Morton in the comments. That's what I'm reacting to, and we'll get the back. The next get part to of that. this is the critical part because the next part of this is the asset yeah. management. I wanted to analyze these guys as prospects first. And then yeah. talk about what did it make sense to take those guys, even if you're buying yeah. the, uh, 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 the upside. Yeah. Let's uh, do that after the break when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online, the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net remains the best spot. For everything that you need to know, including MMA, boxing, and golf, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making us part of your day and your first listen every day. Joined by Adam Mares. I'm Matt Moore. You can follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. All right, so this is like the key question. Okay, Jeff said this in the comments. King of Thornton. Hey, hey, King of Thornton. Uh, I've watched the Nuggets for 35 years. I've never seen this team in win-now mode draft three rookies, two with guaranteed contracts, one of which is a project. It's an it's alien process. Um, I just want to make one look. My first response to that would probably be this. The Nuggets have never been good at doing win-now process, so maybe we don't need to regard 35 years of process because they've always sucked at it. Mm. Um, I'm not going to like uh, – here's the thing. I'll just start this, Adam. Do you think that the Nuggets managed – their priorities to try and win a, ch- a title well on draft night. No. And that's the part about this. That's also strange is like, I look at this and I go, I don't know what assets Denver has left in the tank. They're not a lot. They can't trade a lot of picks because of previous trades, you know, in the Stepien role, there's not a lot of flexibility on what future picks you could use. You have some seconds. You've got Will Barton. You've got Zeke Naji. You've got Monte Morris. You, maybe you have bones Highland. Like those are now your, and Jeff Green, I guess those are like your prime trade assets, but none of those guys are the pick. Usually, a pick, the deal when you're a contender, it's like player and a pick because you're taking back a good player, usually from a team that's like on the other end of that cycle. So, to me, I look at that's the part of all of this is I agree with Jeff taking three rookies. If you had other assets and you have other moves in place, I get it. If you don't, and Denver doesn't have the assets, maybe they have the moves. That's why we have to kind of like hedge this take on saying, well, let's wait and see how it plays off. But right now, I look at it and I feel less confident that the Nuggets are going to make moves that upgrade their immediate next year defense. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll pull it off and surprise us. But I'm just a little bit more skeptical right now than I was 24 hours ago. Yeah, this is this is kind of like the, the distillation is, uh, Matt Adam, would you rather have 2025 and 2027 first round picks that could be used for a big deal or Najee, Payton, and J-Max tax relief? It's insane. Such bad process from Levi. Um so here's my thing, guys. I, I'll i just give you my read. I think that you're all insane for thinking that these picks were going to generate the moves that you wanted. And I say that because I've talked to people around the league and the Atlanta Hawks were like, 
okay, we're going to shake up the roster. Here we go. Here we go. Draft night. We got the pick. We got all these things. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything. No one was buying. No one was buying. Very few people were selling. That was the other thing I heard is like their people were not on the block. Washington, right? Honestly, the biggest win for Denver, I think, is that KCP did not get moved. Right. That's like the biggest win, I think, for, for the Nuggets on draft night is that one of their options did not go off the table by getting moved somewhere where they want him. Um, but what two, okay. two other teams were looking to make moves, like major moves, couldn't get it done. I'm telling you, like, I don't think that the draft equity in this draft, like, nobody was like, man, we got to get in the pick number 30. I mean, got to get the pick number. Like, Detroit, oh, yeah. Detroit we're, traded we're Jeremy Grant. I know it's a specific cir- no. circumstance, but they traded a similar pick and got Jeremy Grant, who, again, it's a one year, you know, win now move. We know the Jeremy Grant story is a little convoluted, but it is an example of sometimes those are the type of compromise moves you make, but they give you one year of, of, of a great shot. So my thing here is if the Nuggets come out of July and Will Barton has not been moved and there's been no upgrades on the roster and they're running it back, but with these rookies, it's a failure. It's a failure. I don't, I'm not at this point going to judge them on draft night because I think that in a month you could all be like, wow, what a great off season. Cause if you want to win now, the draft doesn't really like, I get the idea that, see, your point, Adam, and I think it's sound, is like, you don't have any, like, you're out. Like, the cupboard's bare. Right. You don't have anything now. Next pick you can you can use is 2027. Like, you're out, right? The question that they're banking on is basically that they don't have to have those picks to get the deals they want. If they're right, they're right, and this doesn't matter. If they're wrong, then this was a disaster. Like, that's pretty much where I'm at. It's like, I, I'm not going to, as far as who they picked and where, I don't mind Christian Brown at 21, and I don't mind Peyton Watson at 30. Like, I don't think there's a player at 30 that helps them. There, there, there wasn't. There, I really don't think there was. Or if there was, it's like a hidden, I mean, we don't know. Nobody saw it coming. So, like, you know, Maya's just like, what can we do in the offseason with a $6 million uh, MLE and the, and the trade player exception. It's not going to be about those. Those are like the other moves that you use to fill in. Again, if they're wrong, I'm going to crush them next month. I is, have to. Is like if they, if you just have the same roster, you run it back, but you swap Will Barton for um, Contavious Caldwell Pope, is that, did they upgrade enough? Hmm. That's a good question. Murray, KCP, Porter, Gordon, Jokic, Bones, Monte. Davon, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji. That's your top 10 players at that point. Yeah, Davon Green, yeah, Zeke Naji with Christian Brown as a potential. He's the 11th guy, basically. Yeah. Like, that's a really, I think that's a really good roster. I also think probably Jeff Green is probably moved. I think that they'll make other bench moves. Like, I think that that's probably around there. But look, it does definitely seem like Davon Reed's going to be going to be signed. Right. It definitely seems like Davon Reed's going to be signed and is going to be like one of those those wing upgrades that people were talking about. At that but point, if gonna... you trade Jeff Green, you're probably looking to take back a center because then maybe it just moves Zeke Naji back to four and then you have a center on that second unit. That would make the most sense. But It's also interesting that they ask the question of like, um, what, what spot besides two guard do they need are, is like the upgrade center. like what's like the impact thing Backup center. if you get a second power forward or like what what's the upgrade Backup like center. jamal 
and de- yeah. and defensive three. I mean, that's the other thing is this the Davon Reed is Dave Dave on Reed's basically that's like their answer to that is like Davon Reed, right? I, the people you, liked. I I mean I do like him. It, you start to get into the point where you're you're starting to think like your series your season might come down to Davon Reed's ability to guard Kawhi Leonard or you know like these types of players. Um, let's see. This is a comment. You didn't talk enough about how bad J Mike's salary dump was, in my opinion. If that's all it was, he was um, asked last night, by the, the idea of Calvin was asked last night if they intend to use the traded player exception. He said yes. So yeah. Salary dump. Uh, he's at least saying it's not a salary dump, but again, we'll see. Sometimes they're gonna have to show me that one. That's even... fair for I think fans to be to be skeptical of because I've seen so many TPEs expire. There's there's the willingness like, to do it, which they're representing they're willing to, but then there's also the like, can you do it? You just can't sometimes it's like we're not just gonna spend that money on somebody that clogs the roster and we don't actually want. So we'll see. Like I said, I think this makes puts more pressure on the front office now. And yeah. they can win. They can totally flip this in a way where we're looking at the roster next week and saying, wow, perfect. They got exactly the players that they needed. The roster's full. And there's small moves. It might be as simple as Will Barton, Jeff Green, pick up a backup center, pick up a starting shooting guard. It might be yeah. as simple as that. But if you if they do come back with anything short of that, I do think we'll look at these moves and think, could they have been used for something that would have more aggressively helped next season? Yeah. I, and I think that's a fair question to ask. I will just say, like... I, in general, when we talk about these things, and this is across all contexts of the NBA, I just don't like getting into this idea of like, well, they should have packaged those picks and gotten a, a great starting two guard. That's that's not how this like you have twenty one and thirty in a week draft. I don't, you know, I I'll, I'll say this: I don't know why they got thirty. Right, that's a fair that is a fair criticism to be like, wait, wait, wait. You dumped J. Mike, got the trade player exception, which could be nothing. You moved a first rounder and you took Peyton Watson, right? So Watson's like a high, high volatility pick that could wind up being nothing and definitely won't contribute next year. So you took a player that would have been a rotation guy this year and a first rounder and you got Peyton Watson. Like that's fair to be like, is that good asset management? Or were you just trying to duck the tax? And that depends on, I think, on the trade player exception, right? Like, if they don't, if they don't do anything with it, they just cheaped out. If they do something with it, it was good asset management. Like, this is part of it. Is like you have to be able to, you have to be able to look at the whole month though before you do this. Like, Levy's like, yes, thank you. This is what we're mad at. I'm telling you, just wait a month and then you can be mad. Just wait a month. Save, we always, save yeah. your, your negative energy, and then you can be mad. Yeah. It's really draft and free agency. They happen in separate weeks, and they, they should go together. That's how you build your roster, the draft and free agency slash trade market. So half of it's over. It definitely doesn't – the win-now moves didn't happen in the draft, but we'll, 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 we'll reserve judgment till next week on, on the overarching grade of how they're building this roster. But I do like Christian right. Brown. Like, I really like Christian Brown. And to be honest with you, I'm super intrigued to watch Peyton Watson you're again very skeptical about the fact that he'll work out but when you talk about if you're taking a flyer what kind of flyer are you going to take if it's a guy that could be a defensive player yeah. of your candidate that's the flyer that denver needs to take so we'll see i think it's a great flyer the only question is do the denver nuggets need to be trading assets to take a flyer that's like do the denver nuggets specifically need if you look at this in a vacuum and you're like was this pick like you had the 30th pick and you took peyton watson i like that i like that Right. 
And that's how I think teams look at it differently than, than fans do. Maj has been out after this guys. Can you please grade the draft? You could do it if you want. I, I don't know what the value is because I don't think of things in terms of like today. Of course. Right? Like how the whole thing of grades is, my opinion is that grades are only given so that people can dig them back up later and run them back at you for being wrong. Like, I don't know what the value is. If you want to talk about, do I think the Nuggets manage their assets well in regards to their their short-term immediate urgent goal? Oh, Matt froze. Uh, alrighty, we'll we'll just wrap it up there. Um, that does it for today. We're gonna take the break over the weekend. These guys will be in town on Monday, so we'll get a chance to talk to them uh, and and kind of get a sense for a little bit more. Also, obviously, have some conversations planned and lined up with different people in the organization. So by this afternoon, should have even better view on on what these guys are looking at and what their perspective is on the team, and maybe some things that they're kicking the tires on for next week. Thanks, everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. See you later.